So hello and welcome to the New Gig Podcast. I'm your host, Glenn Hodgson. And today I'm delighted to be joined by the Managing Director of CXC, Mr. Connor Heaney. How are you doing, Connor? Glenn, I'm really well. What a lovely introduction, I have to say. Uh, Glenn, it's so, it's so good to see you. You're looking well as ever. Thanks so much for having me on. L- likewise, sir. And let's begin by just saying a little bit about you know, yourself, Connor. A little bit more about CXC and kind of your 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 place within this whole thing we're calling the uh, the gig and the platform economy. Yes, Glenn. So um, my own background, um, I, I've been the managing director here at CXC Global EMEA for coming up to six years, Glenn. So it's been quite the journey, um, and I mean that I mean that in the best possible way. So um, when we started the European business, we had zero zero revenue, zero clients, zero contractors under management. We had a, 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 a team of one plus one in Australia, who was uh, Orla Burns, and we, we had the, the chairman and founder of, of CXC Global, uh, Dave Thomas, providing his time for free. But yeah. Um, over the six-year period, I'm incredibly proud of what the team here has achieved. You know, we're, we're not two people anymore. Uh, we're a team of uh, 60. We're headquartered in Dublin. Uh, we got 13 legal entities across the world. We're part of the wider CXE Global group of companies yeah. that has 65 uh, entities uh, globally. And we manage here in Europe around 4,000 um, freelancers and, and contingent workers or contractors, Glenn. And mm-hmm. we've got established relationships with some of the world's biggest companies from Boeing, the Relics, the eBay, the PayPal, Google, Medtronic. So we've built this incredible business, essentially de-risking big, big customers from in the uh, from labor law and contract misclassification and and tax chain liability. And as you'll appreciate, Glenn, and as you know well, actually, you're at the heart of this too. The regulatory environment globally is converging in terms of how independent contractors are classified and all the liability is essentially being flowed back up to the end user so you've got almost these two two competing things you've got that labor law changing and putting emphasis back on the end user but then you've got the the low choice no choice gig workers that have no protection or limited protection they're treated in many cases as independent contractors when they should be employees or some form of temporary mm. agency worker but i'm sure we'll come on to that but my own background i grew up in belfast and in, in northern ireland hence hence as i would describe it my dulcet tones glenn um <laughs> went, went, went to uni like uh, many northern irish people in scotland um there's two universities where i went to in dundee i went to the worst one i think it was 121 uh first ranked in, in all the <laughs> universities. And then I went and, and studied law at Queen's University in Belfast, yep. worked in crim- criminal law briefly, worked in commercial law briefly, bored out of my mind, went into headhunting stroke recruitment in London and then Dublin, and then moved into this um, workforce management, contingent workforce solutions in the MSP world. And yep. I just found that really interesting um, because it, it what I what I what I found difficult in recruitment to deal with was that it was very tactical. Um, it was really enjoyable, very high octane, very adrenaline focused. But you weren't really solving a wider strategic problem, and that's what I liked about workforce yeah. solutions and MSP. And um, I then moved into technology. I joined one of the early stage uh, technology talent matching platforms, and unfortunately, it went uh, it, it didn't go very well. But it, it, it was a bit it was a bit too early um, yeah. for the market. That was back in uh, 20, 2014, 2015. and then I joined CXC Global 
um, at the beginning of 2015. And as I said, it's, it's been a, it's been a great journey. I'm based in Ireland now, um, west coast of Ireland. I'm living in the middle of the workland, so we're really practicing what we <laughs> preach here about hiring anyone anywhere. That's what we do as a, as a global business now. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't take any credit for it. We were ahead of the trend. We got to the countryside before the pandemic and it, it sort of, it served us well. Um, the other thing, the other thing, Glenn, if I could just mention our, our European business, CXE Global EMEA, we've, we've been fully remote and distributed since World One. Um, again, I can't take any prescience uh, or, or I wasn't cognizant about this, this great trend coming. It was simply a matter of reducing our cost base, right? <laughs> you know, I started a startup company, uh, albeit in an established global one. Uh, we had to keep the cost lean and mean. But what we found, Glenn, even back then, six years ago, and we still find it now, is people love working from home, right? The pandemic has proven it, but we proved it as an organization. And people, the right people, in the right environment, which is oftentimes their home, we judge them on their efficiency and effectiveness, and we mm. delegate authority and we delegate opportunity to them, and it works bloody well. So, anyway, that's that's an aside more than anything. So good to see it. No, but I think I think that's very important because that just shows that uh, that people are happier. People are craving flexibility, and the you know if, if there's some some crumbs of comfort or crumbs of positivity we can take out of this terrible global pandemic. It's the fact that people have had their eyes open to the power of technology, the possibilities of technology, and the fact that remote work uh, is something that's, that's here and now, and it's achievable. And I think, as you're saying there, to be able to deliver impact, to be able to deliver value and de de deliver results for your sort of partners and customers, that at the end of the day is the most important thing, as opposed to being in a certain place, in a certain, uh, a certain building, for X number of hours uh, a day, five days a week. Yeah, I, I, I fully agree with you, Glenn. And, and, and the other thing, sorry, I should have mentioned is that the, the world of work has clearly changed for the, the pandemic reasons. Mm. The people crave flexibility, but another force accelerator, force multiplier, Glenn, has obviously been the emergence of the gig and the platform economy. And I think the great propellant of that was the Great Recession of 2008, 2010. Right. Um, it created innovation, right? It created, companies had to innovate, but more importantly, um, a lot of companies moved from a fixed employment cost model to a variable model. And, uh, you know, thousands, millions of people were displaced from employment and suddenly they found themselves in, the, in this nascent gig economy and they had yeah. to grasp it with both hands. And I, I suppose... We're big proponents here of the gig platform and open talent economy. But mm. how we position ourselves in it, Glenn, is as what we would describe as the compliant connector. Because as you'll appreciate, there's a lot of risk for platform companies when they engage workers, either right. as an independent contractor or as, a, as an agency worker. But most times the workers are engaged as independent contractors when potentially they should actually be engaged as temporary workers or temporary employees so we really see ourselves as as, as being that 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 <laughs> that heartbeat or that that heart of the gig economy when it comes to compliance yeah. vetting background checking payroll i mean it sounds it probably sounds boring to your listeners of course i'm incredibly enthused about it glenn but it's a great position for us to be in mm. because we're protecting those low choice no choice workers you're often unfairly um, put into independent contract work when they should be temporary agency workers. 
and we're affording opportunity to the higher end high choice workers that have the ability to work globally or work anywhere but we're putting that compliant wrapper around it so probably i should have added that um on your first question but but i think this is absolutely crucial because you know we, we we look at the differences between traditional and uh platform work and one of these things is the, the the still now as many people want to do it if we look at sort of the statistics and studies which are showing the number of people who really want more flexibility and want to sort of go through this of the gig and uh, uh, platform economy lifestyle what seems to be stopping them is the fact that they this fear of the unknown they don't want to do something wrong they don't want the administration and all the problems with maybe the tax authorities or they they, they want someone to be able to, to 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 give them that safety net to be able to take care of these things and make sure they're doing things properly that the taxes are paid the social security contributions are there that things are doing being properly so i think that uh, far from being boring what you're actually providing is sort of the lifeblood uh, that's going to sustain uh, and help grow uh, this uh, thing that we're calling the uh, the platform economy so absolutely vital connor yeah and like glenn i i know you and i have spoken about this before and i know you are a huge advocate for improving workers rights in mm. gig and platform economy and, and essentially standardizing them across Europe because there's a, such a mishmash of how workers are treated. I know we've got things like the agency workers regulations and the agency right. workers directive, but each, each law is, is very different in terms of how workers are engaged in each country. And in our view, there needs to be a, 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 a standard playing field there. But the other thing, Glenn, I know we're both incredibly passionate about, and if I can say this, is that workers operating in the gig and platform economy as either independent workers or temporary agency workers, they're essentially denied access to proper financial services, right? Yeah. This, this to me, Glenn is becoming ever more common. It's, it's, it's troubling me personally mm. and morally that the workers providing a service cannot get access to mortgages, car yep. loans, car finance, um, even bloody things like life insurance, right? Yes. Um, yeah. like, I think that's something that needs to be on our, our list to advocate and talk about because essentially now we're looking at millions of people essentially being unbanked, if you like. Mm. that. That's beginning to cause me a great deal of concern. Glenn, what, 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 what's your thoughts on this? Are, are, are we aligned on that, do you think? Yeah, I, I think we absolutely are. And I think that we're aligned on the size of this issue. And this is not just a European issue. I think it's a global issue. Uh, and it's creating a two-tier society. Uh, and one of the biggest rifts between this, the tra traditional and the platform economy, the fact that, you know, you can't have access to the, 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 the parts of life that are... Uh, pretty much necessary for most of us and being denied that is going to make you a second class citizen so absolutely and this is for me a call out to the big banks the insurance companies um but also we're seeing as well which is the sort of the ray of hope within this is the is the is the startups and scale-ups who are actually seeing this need and i think given the sort of the uh, uh the the shift towards more sort of platform temporary work more flexible arrangements that the um traditional uh, financial services uh, uh, providers, as well as the, the the new players, these individuals who actually have to address this need and actually offer products and services to meet this requirement to fill the gap. It's a massive untapped market. I mean, let's be honest about it. It's, it's it creates a two tier society uh, at the moment, but 
once that is addressed, it's a huge business opportunity. There's there's so much money to be made from addressing this and actually giving the products and services that that that, that, that workers uh, are crying out for. Yeah, I, I agree. Who who would ever have thought, Glenn, that you can make money from being fair? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but, but 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 it's true. And yeah, right. yeah. and I, I think it, it, it'll be good to see the traditional financial services players, in my view anyway, Glenn, being disrupted or displaced as 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 the economy start to move towards this more flexible, variable yeah. work model. Yeah. And they're going to have to move in that direction because there'll be less people in permanent pensionable jobs for life. I mean, those yes. jobs are gone. Like how yeah. many people do I know or do you know, Glenn? That have been in the same job they were in 10 years ago right if you, yeah. if you had asked me that 10 years ago when i was much younger of course the answer would have been very different loads <laughs> of people <laughs> but, but yeah. now you know you asked me 10 years most of my friends bar my mates that are teachers and whatnot you know right. they probably don't want to do there's a good pension scheme for teachers in ireland right but <laughs> excluding the, the teacher mates glenn most people are doing something very different from what they yeah. were doing 10 years ago so mm. that job for life that pensionable permanent job in my view, it's it's largely gone outside yeah. the public sector. I know, I agree, and I think that we we understand that the financial services sector is, is quite conservative, but it's absolutely crazy to have a credit model which is based on show me your uh, uh, show me your employment contract and show me your pay slips for the last six months, and based on that, I will be able to uh, 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 lend you some money. I mean, the, 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 the financial services sector has come under uh, a lot of criticism in recent times, and quite rightly so, but they're doing themselves no favor, but favors by not being able to adapt to the reality that's around them uh, and, uh, and that's knocking on the door. And if they don't address this, then they're basically their customer base will change, move on, and find something different. Yeah, agreed. Like, it could be the case that the, the mainline banks' only customers are, are public sector people or yep. pensioners <laughs> yeah basically basically this is, what it, this is what it could go down to and and you know you've got this sort of uh, the majority of the population will be looking for something more uh, more suited and tailored to their needs and yeah. I, I i i welcome it because if you don't adapt <laughs> if you don't change then you don't deserve uh, uh the custom uh, of the uh, the majority of the population yeah fully agree mate that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, you know, I think that this key thing here is the sort of the role that digitalization is playing uh, on society more generally, but tic particularly in sort of the way you're working and how CXC Global is, is being active. The sort of this, the way in which the, the, the labor market has changed. And you've been sort of very agile to be able to uh, uh, meet this trend head on and be able to give products and services which actually facilitate that as well. Yeah, I agree, Glenn, and, and thanks for that. I suppose even though we've digitized a lot of processes in our business, Glenn, we're probably still at the early stages of the journey. Um, I think we've got a lot more, a lot more to do. But I think some of the, the 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 cool things we've done is that we've digitized the compliance journey for about sixty-five countries, right? So as you'll appreciate. All the laws are different per country yeah. in terms of labor law, contractor misclassification. So we, we've digitized um, that journey and that, that's been really helpful for our, our clients. So let's say, you know, um, a large technology company wants to engage workers in the UK. 
we yep. can take them through that compliance journey and workflow yep. and it's a digital self-service experience it's it's really automated and that's really we're really pleased about that glenn that's called cxc comply and then it, it, in our payroll and compliance um business we, we've digitized that workflow on that journey for workers too so it's a self-service they upload all their compliance related journeys um they and, and it's very seamless and frictionless and that has enabled us to provide this hire anyone anywhere model completely yeah. right so uh, as you've probably seen glenn in the marketplace there's there's clearly a labor shortage so what that what that has meant is that let's say we, we've seen a huge growth in american companies seeking to hire talent in europe right and because they can't get that same talent in the usa um and uh, and that that's good for them but they, they don't want to set up legal entities and all that sort of stuff. So we're, we've been helping them hire those workers compliantly and in accordance with local labor laws. And we've digitized that process, which is of course really helpful for them because it makes it a really speedy process. But the other reason um, companies are coming to Europe is for labor arbitrage or talent arbitrage opportunities. Because you know, if you think of a software company in San Francisco, Glenn, they might have to pay upwards of 400K, 400,000 US dollars to right. get a really amazing architect or developer whereas they could get someone as good if not better in poland for two-thirds less right absolutely so we're, yeah so we're seeing this 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 talent arbitrage movement right this hire anyone anywhere movement for for cost saving reasons that labor arbitrage but also the ability to access talent anywhere right mm. so in my view there's two benefits to that there's the obvious benefit to the company <laughs> they're going to save money on on, on labor costs yeah. but you're also leveling the global playing field in a way, right? Um, because if, if your average salary in Poland, let's say, I don't know what it is, but let's say, for example, it's 60,000 US dollars, right? Yeah. You know, if you're bringing a software developer or architect up to 90,000 US dollars, then you're creating more demand and money in the economy. And you're leveling, not, not fully leveling, of course, because there's still that disparity between the income in USA and the income mm. in Poland. But of course, the labor costs are higher in San Francisco than they would be in Gdańsk, yeah. Poland, right? Yeah. But labor you're costs. Afford, yeah. Living costs. But you're, yeah, living costs. But you're mm. affording the worker access to opportunity anywhere. And you're totally affording, affording yep. the worker access to higher earnings and i think it's a bloody great thing now of course you'd expect me to say that glenn but uh <laughs> but, it is but, it is well, it's it, the facts are there yeah yeah i think everyone wins the end company wins and the worker wins because they're going to be being paid more than their local peers working for an equivalent bank in poland right so yeah that's good so we, we've digitized that onboarding process glenn we've we've built out that infrastructure because we're in 65 odd global countries so that's working really well i think that the next evolution of our digital journey is around really being that compliant connector within the gig and platform economy so that we've built multiple apis into freelancer.com into let's say uber or delivery yeah. or Glover, so that we can seamlessly replicate that onboarding and compliance process and it looks and feels yeah. to a driver a global driver a delivery driver as if they're working with Uber, but really it's CXE in the back end doing the compliance and the payroll yeah. and, and all that boring, as I described it, but really necessary <laughs> stuff. That 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 oh, yeah. blood that's that, that blood that's pumping the gig economy. So that that's that's probably the next stage of our digital journey. And then creating a global talent community as well that we can um allow workers in that community to access jobs anywhere in the world and then 
of course, we can make those workers compliant given our, our, our global infrastructure and reach. So it's really exciting, Glenn, um, really exciting for our business. But it's just so interesting to me how quickly the world of work has changed. All these seismic shifts. Totally. Yeah. This, yeah. This, this huge forced remote from remote working um, thing that's happened and how, how well people and companies have embraced that and they love mm. the flexibility. And then this labor shortage has emerged for multiple reasons globally. That's yeah. fascinating and how that can be solved. And then the fact that the world has now opened up the geographical constraints when it comes to hiring or affording or accessing talent is gone. Yeah. So for me, this is exciting. And then you've got the growth of the digital and the platform economy and people wanting gigs or multiple gigs. They want that freedom, the flexibility. They don't want to be working for the man for their whole <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to be working for big bank A or big bank B or right. whoever the hell it is. Yeah. They want to get out of there. And they want more control over their own destiny in their life. So for me, as someone and who's run the company at the heart of all this, of course, it's fascinating. Of course, it's challenging. Of course, there's opportunities. But it's just so interesting, Glenn, to see. Mm. <laughs> like we're seeing a once in a lifetime thing happening here. And it's all happening at once. It's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And it, and it really is a sort of a, a, a huge change. And it's going very, very quickly. And I think this sort of the speed is just just picking up. So what is the advice you'd give to companies uh, who need to get uh, uh, to adapt their HR model and actually sort of get a sort of freelancer strategy, but also yes. for individuals, how can they make the most of this uh, uh, huge change, which is, uh, which is on the go? Because you've got a great vantage point uh, yes. uh, at the moment to be able to sort of give a few hints and tips about what to look for and what you should be doing. Yeah, well, well, thanks, Glenn. So I, I suppose what we're seeing really smart companies do to access talent anywhere is to embrace the open talent model. So that can be bringing freelancer or talent marketplaces into their enterprise, right? So yeah. that's given them access to um, workers in India, Australia, Poland, Germany, um, and, it, and it's given them volume. So if you look at freelancer.com, they've got nearly 60 million people on their platform now, right? That's that's a phenomenal amount. So I think I would recommend organizations to explore this open talent yeah. model. And, and if I could give them a really interesting statistic. So I met with uh, D Diane uh, Finkhausen recently who, who ran GE's open talent ecosystem for about right. five or six years, right? In a five-year period, they got six billion of cost saving, right? Six wow. billion US dollars, right? So that was pre-pandemic. Yep. Free, free before all the things that we've discussed so it can work and it can work mm. at scale right so imagine what that model would look like now the other thing i would recommend is is that organizations should have a, 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 a contractor value proposition or freelancer value proposition of course they can't offer the benefits that they can offer employees because that's going to put them on the hook for um, labor market or sorry labor law problems and misclassification yes. but they need to have a strategy around why why a freelancer would come and work for them? Is it for the technology? Is it for the culture? Is it for the brand name? Whatever it is, they need to think really deeply and hard about that and develop a freelancer attraction strategy for their mm. business, right? Mm. Also, we've been discussing a lot, um, Glenn, over the last three years, and the conversations have accelerated around this is around direct sourcing 
um, which is essentially hiring freelancer talent in the same way um, that you would uh, in an RPO model. So um, a third party or intermediary will go to the market under, let's say, um, Unilever's brand, um, attracting freelancers and independent contractors on a global scale into yeah. a talent pool that can be reused and redeployed. And the workers in the talent pool can be given incentives from referrals to affiliate schemes to really build up that warmth for that particular company. They might get a, a, a voucher for Unilever's products in the, in the right. post. Um, <laughs> you know, there's all these sophisticated ways of, of warming up that talent pool and, and deploying that talent pool. And then I think when we think about freelancers, I, I think if I was a freelancer, what would what would I be interested in working in with an organization? Like if it's a, a technology freelancer, then I'm going to be interested in the, the latest, greatest technologies, the ability to influence and design elegant solutions at scale. But if I'm an independent worker in the low choice, no choice um, uh, bucket, as, as we've described it, Glenn, I want some I want access to things that I can't access today. Yeah. I want access to financial services. I want access to affiliate schemes. I want access to opportunity. I want fairness. I want to be engaged properly. I want some yeah. employment protection, right? They might not get all, but they want something. So mm. we need to think um, as practitioners in this space, but also advising the companies we work with to start thinking about what freelancers and independent workers and temporary agency workers or extended or alternative workforce workers need and want. And yeah. For them. And this but goes back to your that, point about do, doing the right thing and being nice yes. is actually very good for business as well. If you actually yeah. have this need, then you get them, you get the talent and the value that maybe your competitors don't get it if you're yes. an early adopter and you adapt to this quickly. Yeah, absolutely, Glenn. And I think I think that's what we're seeing in, in the marketplace. But that, that, that would be some of the, the advice or tips that I would give for yeah. um, for companies that are that are grappling with these problems at the moment. Fantastic. Well, this is this is great, and it's always fantastic to be able to pick your brains, hear your thoughts, and just continue with the great work that you're doing. And looking forward to having you back soon, so you can uh, give us an update on the journey. Well, Glenn, thanks so much. And uh, as always, I thoroughly enjoy our conversation. It's so good to see you. And <laughs> thanks so much for having me on. I really do appreciate it. Thank you, Glenn. Pleasure, Connor.